I wouldn't be doing what I was, what I do if I didn't like photography and didn't believe that it was a good thing. Photography can have immense power for good in the world. When you see a photograph, it shapes how you see the world. And when we're taking and sharing photographs, we're shaping how others see the world. That's power. But if we're not conscious of our power, if we're not responsible with that power, it can also do a lot of damage, more damage than potentially other mediums could do because of the indexicality of photography, which is that relationship to to the truth. Hey, welcome to episode 358 of the Beginner Photography Podcast brought to you by CloudSpot, your all-in-one solution to deliver and sell your photos online. I'm your host, Raymond Hatfield, and today we are chatting with Savannah Dodd about the ethics of taking photographs. Now, shout out to John Kenny for introducing me to Savannah's Photo Ethics Podcast, even though at first I definitely thought, what are you trying to tell me here, John? Uh, but what I learned is that ethics really play a, uh, a big part, a major part in photography, yet oftentimes it goes overlooked quite often, you know? And when I was in film school, I kind of saw this because there was this this mindset that everybody had that you could just kind of get away with anything because you were making a movie, you know? And common sense just goes out the window when you get a bunch of people together with a camera. Uh, you know, we needed a scene of, I don't know, a fire in a house, or we needed a scene where an actor runs across the freeway, or... Um, you know, we needed a scene where in a dream, an actor wakes up in their bed in the middle of a train track. That is actually a, a true story that had a very tragic ending. Um, not that I was a part of it, but again, I think it just reaches further than just myself. Uh, this is kind of a very common theme, you know, but we as photographers often go about shooting with a, a similar mindset and I'm guilty of it. But Savannah's photo ethics podcast, uh, you know, which interviews other working photographers uh, about just ethical decisions that they've had to make, but being uh, able to look at them objectively really makes you ask yourself in a non-judgmental way, how much is a photo really worth? And I encourage everybody to give it a listen. Uh, and at the end of the episode, actually, Savannah has a challenge for you all to participate in. So stick around to the end. With that, let's go ahead and get on into this episode with Savannah Dodd. Savannah, I start real easy. I just want to know, when did you know that photography was going to play an important role in your life? I started really getting interested in photography when I sort of turned maybe 11 or 12. Um, there was a community, actually, there was a in the small town that I grew up in, there was a community uh, competition of for photography for, for children. And they gave you, you know, a disposable camera and you went and collected photographs around the area. And um and I will never forget being asked to come to the podium in the, it was like the front room at the Walmart uh -huh. and I won first place and it just blew my mind. I was so excited. Um, and I think that that was really my, my first sort of real feeling that, Ooh, I like this and maybe I'm okay at it. Um, and maybe it's something that, that I, yeah, could do. Um, my grandmother, I lived with my grandmother for the first several years of my life and um, she's an artist. And so she was always sort of bringing me to try to teach me how to, she does oil portraiture and she was trying to teach me how to do that. You know, tried to teach me how to use graphites and I was kind of useless at all. <laughs> Same. So, I get it. Yeah. So I think that photography was something that, um, yeah, worked for me. Did you so. enter that competition knowing that you had some sort of inkling uh, about photography that you kind of liked it or it was totally this is one of the first no. times I'm picking up a camera uh well my mom had gotten me a camera or I think I just actually may have taken it off of her when I was <laughs> younger um and so I, I and my granddad was really into photography so I you know I was around I, I had it in my mm. head but it wasn't really until it wasn't like I saw that competition and I was like that's for me yeah. it was just something that I thought would be fun um, so yeah, no, it, it, that was kind of, yeah, the first, the first introduction, but then I didn't really do very much with it for, I did, I did things here and there, you know, summer co courses or camp or whatever that in included photography for a few years, but, um, I didn't really get back into it until halfway through college. And I started, um, shooting sort of family events to try to cover some bills. Of course. And, yeah. uh, 
college that's uh that's an easy thing to do that's how i got into photography as well uh my my rent wasn't going to pay itself and i needed a little (laughs) bit extra um so i want to know more about this photo though the 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 one you first placed do you remember it at all oh yeah no it was a sunrise photo with um uh sort of like a barbed wire fence in the foreground and a tree that was silhouetted against Mm -hmm. the the uh the sunrise yeah no i i remember it very vividly <laughs> do you remember taking that photo i do okay yeah. so wh- yeah. walk me through like when when you took the photo did you know like this is going to be really good or was it did it feel a lot more um uh reactionary like oh this might be nice i didn't know that necessarily um i don't think i had enough experience to know that you know what might work and what wouldn't work um, but I thought it was pretty, you know, mm-hmm. the sunrise was pretty. And, um, there are other photographs on that roll of film that I remember too, but, uh, my mom, it was one, I don't know, Saturday or Sunday morning. And my mom had, had gotten up early to drive me around, you know, so for this photo competition. Was, uh, for this photo competition wow. Yeah. Yeah, that is yeah. that is awesome. Uh, it's always great to hear of uh, parents, obviously, uh, uh, helping children with their interests yeah. and uh, and hobbies and yeah. stuff like that. Um, that's something that I'm always working on with our kids. And I got to say, it's it, it's hard when you have no interest in whatever that thing is. So like my son is really in, it's not that I don't have any interest, but it's like my son is, uh, he had been into coding for a little bit and I was like, I don't know anything about this. So, but you try to be supportive and, uh, uh, I get that. That is fun. So at that point, at at that point you, you win this competition and you just feel great about yourself. You're like, wow, I I took something that other people appreciate and that is nice. Um, and then you said that there was kind of a block of time between then and and college when you really started Mm -hmm. uh, shooting in in that time, were you still whenever you would take photos? I'm assuming that these were mostly just snapshots. No, no intention behind the photos. Is that right? Yeah, uh, a mix. I mean, I, I did I did go to, you know, uh, I did a, like a day camp or something that involved photography and you learned Photoshop and things. I think I did that twice. Um, and, you know, I took things that maybe I thought were more artistic or something. Um, and. But I also, yeah, got my first uh, point and shoot digital camera. Um, this was what the, yeah, 2000, the noughties, yeah, you know? Yeah, so yeah. Um, I, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how to answer that because it was, I didn't, I guess, no, I didn't really have much intention. I, I was taking sort of odds and ends here and there that I thought were okay. And mm-hmm. but I didn't do anything with them. And, you know, I didn't really know what I was what my objective was behind yeah. it. So when did that change for you? Ooh, that's a tough question. Um, I think it's been a sort of an evolving process over the past 10 odd years. Um, so I, I didn't study photography in university. Um, just despite the support of, uh, parents, you know, for when I was 12, yes. <laughs> um, you know, when you're looking at, uh, mass or um, uh, majors, you know, photography is not something that's over or was not for me something that was overly encouraged, um, which is a bit of a shame. I, I, I do sort of look back on that and, and regret a little bit that hmm. um, maybe I hadn't pursued that um, more. Although uh, that's a whole nother conversation, <laughs> isn't it? You know, uh, <laughs> I won't get into it. But, yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, but also, you know, the, the merits of, of going to a photography course versus being self-taught, you know, but, um, uh, so I went and studied anthropology and I was very aware of visual anthropology, but it, there wasn't really a course for visual anthropology. There wasn't really a, a track that I could go down, um, at the university that I, that I was at. Um, so it was sort of, I, I, I used photography in my undergraduate thesis actually. Um, but in a very cursory way. I still didn't, I was using it toward this piece of research, but I didn't really have a, my own understanding of how the photographs were working, why I was using photographs, how do they operate? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went on and did my master's in anthropology and sociology of development. Sorry, this is a very long response to your question, no, but hopefully I'll, I'll, yes. I'll get at it, <laughs> get at the response. Um, and then sort of toward the end of that, again, uh, I started to get more involved or more aware of visual anthropology and sort of all the ways in which photography and anthropology can work so 
beautifully together in mm-hmm. ways that I hadn't really um, fully understood um, before that point. Um, and, and I think that really it's that background in anthropology that has led me to sort of an understanding of, yeah, what, what are my objectives? Why am I taking these photographs? What is the potential impact of that? And how can I shape, you know, that impact towards something that is meaningful, mm-hmm. um, for the world and for myself? So today, uh, or I guess, um, in, I believe it was 2017 is when you founded the photography ethics center. Um, I, I want to know, was there, was there an event? Was there a moment? Was there a photograph that, um, kind of sparked this idea to, to help educate photographers on the ethics of photography? Yeah, absolutely. It's, it's funny. I, I like to tell it sort of as a story of failure. Um, Those are always because, the best stories. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, I graduated from that master's program. Um, and I went to work for an NGO in Thailand. Um, and I, so I was living in Switzerland at the time. And so I moved to Thailand for this job. And when I got there, um, it only took a couple months and I realized this is not a good fit. Um, I had a lot of concerns about the ethics of the organization, the way that things were being run. I I raised my concerns and they weren't very interested in in Mm. what I had to say about it. So it was sort of a, you know, I, it didn't align with my ethics or or what I want to do. So um, I decided that I had to leave. Um, And that was a super hard decision, you know, because I'd moved across the world for this job and quitting it felt like I had failed. Like I had gone out on a limb um, and didn't work out. And I think I, it really affected how I felt about myself. Um, so I decided because, uh, at that time, my, at he, then he was my boyfriend. Now he's my husband. Um, he had moved over to Thailand <laughs> as well f- because I'd gotten this job. So I was like, I dragged him over here. Um, but anyway, he out. ended up getting it and it didn't work out. Yeah. yeah. But he ended up getting a job. So we had to stay in Thailand for three or four more months after I quit. And I had to figure out how I wanted to spend that time because I didn't want to just feel sorry for myself. (laughs) So I decided that at that point that, you know, I really had an opportunity to throw myself into photography in a way that I hadn't previously. Um, I think up until that point, photography was also a hobby or a, and I also, you know, do this sometimes, for money, sometimes not, you yeah, know, it, yeah. it was always just, um, an addendum to my life, you know, it <laughs> wasn't. And, and so I feel like at this point I, I realized I've got an opportunity here. I've got time. Um, and so I just start, d- decided to start volunteering at, um, photography galleries and photography festivals in the region. Um, and that was a really amazing experience. You know, I, I was having conversations with photographers from all over the world about, you know, lots of things and lots of different types of work. But again, I was fresh out of that master's program. So the the ideas that were sort of percolating in my head at that point were about, you know, how do you, how do you get consent? Mm-hmm. You know, how do you get access to these communities? Like, um, why do you do what you do? You know, I was, I was asking sort of all of these sort of quite probing questions. Um, and I, I, I don't know if it was always very well received, <laughs> um, but but what I did find in that was that a lot of photographers that I spoke with weren't prepared to answer the questions hmm. because they hadn't really taken the time or given space to think about, well, yeah, what does my consent process look like? And does that make sense for me? You know, is that, is that effective? Does that work for the type of work that I'm doing? Or, um, I haven't really, you know, how do I build relationships with people? You know, not only had they not maybe had the time or taken the time to invest in thinking about this, but I realized that anthropology provided me with a really specific set of skills to negotiate those conversations and to negotiate those relationships. Um, And I realized that photographers don't have those skills a lot of times that's something that I have just because I I did that anthropology program and it as a consequence really benefited my photography, Mm. but it's not something that's necessarily universal. And so I realized that that's really something that maybe 
that I could contribute, you know, that I could maybe repackage some of these skills, some of these themes that we talk about in anthropology and make it um, applicable and useful for photographers to help them think through the ethics of their practice. I see. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where, um, you know, I never think I'm being unethical with my camera, you know, and yeah. I don't know if any photographer uh, thinks oh, that okay. at the forefront of their mind. Um, but there are a lot of unethical photos taken. So there is kind of that like, well, what do we do about this? Uh, how do we determine what is ethical, what is not? So let's start there. What like wh yeah. big question, but what what yeah. is ethical photography? Well, I, I just want to go back to something that you said there a minute ago about, you know, people don't set out to be unethical. And I think that's such an important point. I think that um, sometimes the idea of ethics can be quite scary for people mm -hmm. and quite daunting. Um, but I think that's a really important point that, you know, the va vast majority of sort of unethical photographs that we see, it's not like the photographer set out with bad intentions and was like, I'm going to do this wrong, you yeah. know, Exploit or I'm going to harm this community. Yeah. yeah. You know, um, I think it's just a lack of awareness. Um, and that's something that definitely can easily be, you know, worked on and talked about and, um, through a very vulnerable process, which we can talk about later, but, um, but no, absolutely. So what are photography ethics or what is ethical? Um, first of all, it's really important to say that I absolutely do not sort of um, set out to be the arbiter of what is or is not ethical mm -hmm. in photography. Um, I think ethics is very personal. I think it's very subjective. Um, and I think it is highly dependent on the context that we're working in. So, um, you know, I live in Northern Ireland now. This is a post-conflict society. Um, it is a different cultural, social, and political context than where I grew up in St. Louis. So how I approach photographing people here will be different from how I photograph or how I approach photographing people in St. Louis. You know, I'll be thinking about my positionality, you know, who am I in this context? Um, you know, in Northern Ireland, I'm, uh, a foreigner, you know, I'm not from here. So I don't, you know, I, I come with a, a different, uh, people, I'm viewed differently than, you know, a photographer who is from here. Whereas if I'm photographing in St. Louis, I'm a white woman photographing in a highly segregated city, you know, that's a different positionality. Um, and I have to be thinking about these things as a photographer. So yes, when we're, when we're talking about photography ethics, um, we're not talking about sort of uh, a specific set of guidelines or rigid rules or anything like that, you know, um, because rigid, it's, it's very hard to get a one size fits all answer that when you're in this ethical dilemma, this is the correct response, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. because we're all individuals, we're working in different contexts and it's going to change. So photography ethics is, is something that's, um, very personal. It's very, context specific. Um, and it really relies on us being able to navigate, I think, um, or photographers having the skills to, to make those decisions for themselves. This is difficult, right? This is, this is what makes this difficult to talk about because yeah. if ethics are not a black and white subject and that there's a lot of gray area, um, and it's, you know, your mission to educate photographers on how to be more ethical. Um, how do you do that if it's not through like direct instructions, shoot here, don't shoot this, you know, yeah. don't do that, do this. Uh, how do you find the best way to to help educate photographers on on being more ethical with their camera? Hey, Raymond here. If you're sometimes baffled by which camera settings to use, then I've got just the thing for you. My free guide, Picture Perfect Camera Settings. It's a fantastic starting point for anybody eager to understand the basics of camera settings in various shooting scenarios. And it's tailored to beginners who want to get out of auto mode, providing clear, easy to follow suggestions on where to start with your settings. So whether you're capturing a stunning landscape or a family portrait, Picture Perfect Camera Settings will help you to get off of automatic mode and explore the possibilities your camera offers. 
Remember, mastering photography settings is a journey, and this guide is your first step, and the perfect resource to guide you towards finding the right settings for your style. So grab your copy today at perfectcamerasettings.com and start your journey to better photos. That's a brilliant question. So I think that there's um, two, two components. One is about how we have conversations about ethics. And one is about how we cultivate those skills. Um, I guess maybe first to talk about how we cultivate those skills. Um, at our workshops, for example, or in sort of any of the sort of educational courses that we put out, the idea is that the photographer is always going to be the best placed person to make these decisions because they're the ones holding the camera. They're the ones in the situation. They're the ones who have hopefully developed, you know, such contextual awareness and an understanding of who they're photographing and, and, and the context that they're working in. Um, so you can't really plan for all of the eventualities, you know, all the variables. But what you can do is you can practice ethical decision-making. So we look at a lot of case studies, a lot of examples, and we have really good conversations about, you know, if you were in this position, how, how might you handle that? And, you know, why would you handle it that way? And what could be the repercussions or the impacts of that decision? And so you, you practice working through all of these things. And it, we provide a safe space in which you can do that. Because when you're in a situation, you have to make those decisions in a split second. If you don't have practice making those decisions, it's going to be a lot harder. Mm -hmm. So before you ever get there, we try to help photographers figure out where do I stand on this? How, what feels good for me? What doesn't feel good for me? Um, and I think if you have practice doing that, then when you're actually in the situation, you're much less likely to make a decision that feels antithetical to who you are as a person, you know, because you, you'll know what your red lines are. You you'll know, um, you know, you'll have experience of that. Mm -hmm. Um, and then to talk about these conversations that we have, I think this is a really, really important piece, um, is that at the photography ethics center, we approach ethics as principles. Um, and the idea behind that is that we can all agree. So you and I could agree that there are certain principles that are important in photography ethics, right? Say we both agree that dignity is important, mm -hmm. but what dignity looks like for me when I'm working in St. Louis or in Northern Ireland might look different from what dignity looks like for you when you're photographing mm -hmm. um, in Indiana, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, or or with your if you're photographing a series with your family and I'm photographing a series with strangers, you know, how we approach dignity might change slightly. Mm -hmm. You know, the principle will be there, but how we enact that might look a little bit different. Um, also because we're different people, right? So the idea is that if we start with principles, we can say, right, well, this is what dignity meant for me in that situation. This is how I applied dignity. And then the other person could say, you know, well, for me, I would apply dignity in this way or dignity looks like this. Because when we when you drill down, I think, to a lot of the sort of unethical photographs um, or a lot of just the ethical, um, the contentious ethical issues that we encounter in photography, a lot of times, not all the time, but a lot of times it boils down to people are privileging different principles. Hmm. So, um, for example, if there is a situation in which um, a graphic photograph of someone in a traumatic situation um, is shared, right? Um, and some people say that is unethical. That is a violate, you know, that that's not okay. Mm -hmm. Well, a lot of times they're privileging privacy or um, yeah, you know, privacy or dignity. Um, whereas the, maybe the person who shared it uh, decided that they felt that um, accuracy or raising awareness mm. um, or things like that were, were more important in that situation. So a lot of times it, it isn't that that's ethical and that's unethical. It's that we're privileging different things. And I think that if we can start looking at ethics through that lens, we can have a lot more productive conversations about ethics because right now I think it can be a very polarizing environment. And mm -hmm. I don't think that that's constructive or helpful for anybody. 
Right. Does that make sense? Did I articulate that well? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and it kind of reminds me of a, um, and this just came off the top of my head. I remember listening to a uh, conversation a while ago, and I believe that it was with um, some sort of psychologist, I believe. And they had said that, like, every thought that you may have as a human is totally natural, but acting upon certain thoughts could, is where you get into trouble, right? So, as a photographer, or I guess there's that there's that quote by Ansel Adams, right? Who says, um, uh, there's two people in every photograph, the photographer and the viewer, right? Mm-hmm. And that makes it hard because as a photographer, we have this desire to um, capture the world in a certain way through our lens that, that, that we have just through life experience. And now as we, are, should we be thinking about the viewer? Are we, is the viewer's opinion on our work should that be taken into account or am I thinking wrong? And should we only be focused on the subject of the photo? Does that question make sense? Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. Um, Ooh, it's just flown out of my head. You Give me two it. seconds. Of course. Yeah. It's a big question. And that's why this is so difficult. You know, I mean, it, it's hard to have these conversations, I think, because there is so much ambiguity involved, you know, like, um, and yeah. because when it comes to photography, I say this all the time on the podcast is that like, it's so subjective. Um, and what you may like about a photo, others may hate. And, you know, there are some yeah. very famous photos that I can't stand. I just think that I don't see the point in them, but others just go crazy for and yeah. vice versa. Um, and I think that when it comes to navigating this um, is where a lot of people need help because I don't think that it's necessarily mm-hmm. – and I guess I just want people to understand and me to fully understand as well is that it's not if you do X, Y, and Z, you're good. If you don't do uh, you know A, B, and C, even better or something like that. But it, it's more it's Absolutely. more personal. And it's not that like Absolutely. we need to be uploading our photos to a spot that says, oh, no, this is ethical. Like you're good to go or not. Right. It's, it's internal. It's not – we're not seeking yeah. validation from others on whether or not our photos are are ethical. Is that right? Totally. And uh, well, yes. And I think that's probably what makes it so hard is because this whole thing is work. Yeah. You know, it's it's mental and emotional reflection. It's not there are no easy way. There's no easy way out to this. <laughs> I don't think, you know, you have to invest the time. You have to think about it. You have to. Yeah. Consider, you know, what do you want your impact to be? How do you want your your photographs to impact the world? Uh, this goes to one of the points that I wanted to make because you're talking about, you know, the viewer and do we need to be thinking about the viewer? I do think we need to be thinking about the viewer, um, but maybe not in the way that you were intending, um, because I think it all comes back to impact. Like, Hopefully, you know, if your photographs are seen, not hopefully, definitely, if your photographs are seen by even one person, your photograph is going to have some sort of impact on the world, you know? And I think that if we're not conscious about what kind of impact do I want this photograph to have, um, I think that we're sort of leaving it to chance, you know, whatever impact it is, uh, you know, whereas I think if you think much more deliberately about, you know, what kind of impact do I want my photographs to have? Um, I I think it's, I think it's a really important practice, um, that we could all maybe practice more. Me too. Definitely. You know, I think about my Instagram, you know, I don't think that hard about what I share on Instagram. I don't think necessarily about what the impact of those photographs could be. But those photographs on Instagram are just as impactful as the photographs we see in National Geographic. Mm. You know, they shape us and they shape the way that we think about the world. Um, And that comes to another point and then a subsequent point that follows on that. But, you know, you're talking about, um, you know, those judgments that we're making. And you said something about... uh, I can't should quite remember exactly what you said. Or should we focus on their opinion no, on it? It was, it was about, um, you know, when, when you have these impulses, you know, uh, you might have yeah. an impulse to take a photograph, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And you might think, oh, that would be a perfect shot. And maybe you take it. Um, but there's a separate decision that's made when you decide to share it. And I think that that's an important point as well, that just because you took a great photograph, you know, doesn't mean it's destined or to be seen, you know, or needs to be seen. And I think that goes back to impact, you know, thinking about if I share this photograph, you know, 
what kind of impact will that have? Will it, you know, will it have any impact? It'll probably, it'll have some impact. It's, but, you know, thinking, thinking very carefully about that. And I guess when I'm talking about impact, I think I should clarify that a little bit. Um, because what, so when we are looking at photographs, photographs shape how we see the world Mm -hmm. and this not to get too heavy into theory, but this has a lot to do with the processes through which photographs are made in a traditional sort of analog camera, right? Mm -hmm. We understand, you know, if you think about a film camera, that there's, there's a chemical reaction between the light bouncing off the subject and hitting the film, right? Yes. And so we think of photographs as having, of being rooted in reality in a way that paintings or drawings are not rooted in reality, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we see photographs, we interpret them as having some sort of connection to the truth of what's out there in the world. Right. And I like to think about it as almost data points. So, um, for example, have you, have you ever been to Ireland? Never. Okay. So if I share a photograph of, you know, a beach in Ireland, if you've never seen a beach in Ireland, you know, that photograph is going to contribute to, you know, play a role in how you think about beaches in Ireland, right? Even if you have seen beaches in Ireland, you haven't seen all the beaches in Ireland, you know? Um, So all of these photographs that we take and share add sort of data points to how the viewer thinks about the world. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so that's why I think it's really important to think about impact because we think about things like all the photographs we've seen in charity communications of um, maybe children in sub-Saharan Africa, you know, we have so many data points that we can call up when you say that. I've never been you to know? Sub-Saharan Africa. I can already see a photo in my head. Exactly. Exactly. But then you say, you know, so 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 if I were to share a photograph of, you know, children in Sub-Saharan Africa that fit our expectations, what is the impact of that? Mm. It's confirming, yeah. confirming, you know, our stereotypes or our biases. Um, and it doesn't add anything new. Um, So when I'm talking about impact, I'm talking about big impact. Yeah. You know, impact people's recycling impact, you know, things like that, but also little impact or not even little impact. It's very insidious impact, but it's maybe not as obvious, you know, of just representation, how we think about people, how we think about places. So, okay. This is, I'm really excited about this because um, I I feel like we kind of live in a society where everything that we learn like education is very much um uh, a tutorial like here's one two and three whereas kind of the education that i had uh, throughout high school was more like here's some stuff to think about what do you think about it yeah. uh and i feel like that's what you're what that's what you're giving to me right now and i haven't i haven't had this in a while so this is this is very <laughs> exciting um because again uh, as new photographers uh it can be yeah. difficult to know First of all, you just you just want to go out and shoot things, right? You just want to tell cool stories. Um, and I remember uh, back in the day when Flickr was like a really uh, a much bigger and important platform than it is uh, today. I had seen many photo essays or series of photos of homeless people. And mm-hmm. I remember thinking to myself and it comes to find out like it was an assignment from like uh, many uh, colleges, you know, to go out and try to not necessarily find somebody who's homeless, but find somebody who has, you know, an incredible life experience and, and showcase their mm-hmm. story. And people just naturally gravitated towards, um, you know, homelessness. And in fact, today I was actually on the phone with somebody and I was excited about this conversation. So I kind of, uh, uh, talked about this a bit and I brought up this, how there was a lot of photos of homeless people. And I said this uh, study about, or not study, rather, assignment from universities. And the first thing that he came up with was homeless people, right? So there's something within us that says, these people have a lot of life experience, something that maybe we've never been through, or maybe never will go through. And that's just where we go. But there are many ethical challenges within this as well. So uh, Mm -hmm. this may be really deep, but can you kind of talk about like, why do we naturally gravitate towards these certain things and maybe totally. why we should question it before we, we go out there with a camera? That's a huge question. Totally. I apologize. No, it's a really good question. I actually have an example that I think will speak to this. So um, part of the reason why I brought up the, the example of sub-Saharan Africa is because um, I was photographing for a charity in uh, rural Southern Uganda. Um, and I encountered a, an interesting situation 
that uh, was a challenge to navigate, you know, the ethics of it. Um, because I was walking around a very, very small village with a community health worker who uh, is, is Ugandan herself. And, you know, I had my camera because I was photographing for, you know, the charities, communications and things. And um, we come up to house and there were two children who were seated um, playing on the ground. Um, They weren't wearing shoes. You know, they had dust on their clothes and they were sitting under banana leaves. And uh, the health worker says to me, oh, there's your photograph. You have to take that photograph. You know, that's that's what you need. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I thought this is not the type of photograph I want to take. But I also didn't want I wanted to value her role as expert of the community. You know, I didn't want to make her feel bad by saying, no, that's not the photograph I want or by not taking the photograph. I want, you know, she was trying to help me. Um, So I took the photograph. I got consent from the parents, but I've never showed it because I don't, because we do expect that, you know, we expect that to be the winning photograph. That is the good photograph that we've seen. Sure. We've seen all these photographs, you know, dramatic photographs, maybe of people experiencing homelessness, dramatic photographs, you know, and, and we think, when I, you know, if I'm going to take a, a good photograph, well, that's the photograph I have to take because that's what a good photograph is, mm. you know, mm-hmm. because that's what we've seen win. So I think that a lot of times we're replicating these expectations of, of what we think good photography is, what we think meaningful photography is. Um, and a lot of times those expectations are very wrapped up with stereotyping and assumptions and tropes um and can be very othering as well you know it's it's something other it's something different it's it's different from my lived experience therefore it's more visual or more interesting and i think another element to you know focusing on on the experience of homelessness is that you know people in vulnerable positions like that are much easier to access right um, vulnerability and, and people without power are easier to access than people with power mm-hmm. a lot of times, you know? So there's also that element of the hyper visual or what we think of as being hyper visual, um, experience of, of homelessness, um, that I think is often gravitated to. But I think that when we're, when we're, when we're doing that, when we're looking for, you know, an assignment and we're, we're looking for a, uh, well, what should I focus on? You know, what's my, what's my story? I think a really, really good question that you could ask yourself is what do we learn? Hmm. What do we learn from this photograph? Do we learn anything new? First of all, if the answer is no, that's a red flag because you might be replicating stereotypes or tropes or relying on people's expectations. Um, if there are people in your photograph, what do you learn about the person in your photograph? Do you learn anything about them as an individual? Anything that goes beyond your expectations? If not, <laughs> um, again, that could be a red flag that you're using them as a prop, as a stand-in for someone of their type, that it could be any person experiencing homelessness and it would be the same photograph. Do you know what I mean? I do. Yeah. And there's so because much. Because you're not photographing them as an individual. Right. It could be anybody who's homeless just for the sheer fact that that of their of their condition in life. Exactly. Whereas photographs, I think that uphold a person's ind- dignity as an individual, you know, it might be somebody experiencing homelessness, but that's not the only thing you learn about them. Right. Right. Yeah. It's like there's this desire to... Um, show the juxtaposition, I suppose, of like, well, we live like this because we live in a home and, you know, we can always walk to the fridge, but this person doesn't have that. So therefore, the photo has to be, uh, you know, uh, finding trash or, you know, uh, pulling a tarp over them to, you know, Mm -hmm. just for some shelter or something. And we, we naturally look for like, what's the exact opposite of what we would expect for somebody rather than perhaps what is their actual uh, experience with homelessness, you think? There are two ways to bring home more money with your photography business. 
You either get more clients or you spend less of the money that you make. CloudSpot Studio helps you keep more of what you earn. With the lowest payment processing fees in the industry, the average photographer will save $300 annually. And that's just more money to invest in essential gear like a new flash or a sweet camera bag. You know, one that is perfect for storing all of the wedding day snacks that you can pack. But it's not just about savings. CloudSpot Studio is designed to streamline your workflow. Easily organize shoots, send contracts, questionnaires, invoices, and you're really going to enjoy the hassle-free payments. So sign up for a free CloudSpot account at deliverphotos.com and... As a bonus, you're going to get access to my exclusive wedding and portrait contracts and questionnaires at no additional cost. Why let fees chip away at your profits? Empower your photo journey with CloudSpot and watch your business soar. Yeah, definitely. Um, And this this is a little different, but it does bring to mind um, another example. of a, of a series that I, because you're talking about what's different and that's what reminded Mm -hmm. me of this. So, um, a few years ago I did a series, um, that I called sacred spaces. Um, and I went to sort of, uh, it's sort of ongoing, although I've not done much on it in several years. Um, but, uh, the idea was that I would go to, um, sacred spaces of all different religious traditions in all different countries around the world, Southeast Asia, Europe, the Middle East, St. Louis, you know, like the, the Basilica in St. Louis is in there. So, um, all, all sorts of, of spaces that people have created and deemed as sacred spaces, Mm -hmm. but instead of photographing, you know, the big facade or in St. Louis, there's a Basilica that has amazing mosaics. So I didn't focus on the amazing mosaics or the, you know, grand, I don't know, stained glass or the facade of the Hagia Sophia, you know, I I focused instead on the little things that show human care Mm -hmm. in each of these spaces. So things like a broom in the corner or basic things that it needs to function like electrical sockets or, um, uh, what do you call what do you call it? A water, a water station. Yeah, like a water place. jug or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Water cooler. Maybe. Water fountain. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Or water cooler. Yeah. Or, um, you know, a ladder that was used for maintenance. You know, I focused on all these little things that, um, that are expected and that aren't different and that are, you know, are needed in all of these across all of these sacred spaces in vastly different contexts, vastly different religious traditions. But the, the connecting element is that human care. Mm -hmm. And I think that by focusing on something that made them similar instead of different, I think it, my objective was to try to, yeah, break down barriers or expectations or prejudices. Um, if that makes any sense. Yeah, it, it does. And um, I want to play devil's advocate here real quick because yeah, go for it. I've heard this question asked uh, many a times on the Photo Ethics podcast, which is, um, am I the right person to take this photograph? So I want to know, yeah. what was it about this idea that made you think I'm the right person to take this photograph of these varying different religions? Um, yeah. Could you, could, you, could you answer that one? Yeah. That's a really good question. And... Um, I, I, not, not that this gives me some sort of God-given right to take these no, photographs no, no. And, at all. And before but, before you get into it, I, I, I'm not, yeah. I'm not trying to get into that or anything. No, of course. I think it's just that question that plays into no, my head. No, it's a head great question because we yeah. can go down that rabbit hole of like, if I'm not homeless, who am I to take that photo? That's not my experience. But then, yeah. I feel like we might limit ourselves to what we can actually take photos of. So I would, yeah. I would just, and I love people who yeah. take photos of, of of things that are outside of their. Um, uh, um, you know, everyday uh, life, yeah. I guess. Uh, and I guess I totally. just want to know, like, what, what, what is the answer to that? How do we, yeah. how do we justify that yeah. without going too far? Totally. So I guess for me personally, understanding different religious traditions has always been very important to me. My granddad was Jewish and my grandmother was Southern Baptist. Oh, wow. Um, and my mom reverted to Islam. <laughs> so there's a lot of religious traditions in my own family. I have a lot of experience in a lot of different religious traditions. And my 
double major in university was anthropology and world religions. Mm -hmm. So it's not saying that I have any more um, right to photograph these things, but that there was an underlying drive that was personal and that was relevant for me and that was meaningful to me um, that sort of spurred me to undertake this series. Um, It's not saying that you have to necessarily have a personal connection to whatever you're photographing, you know, I don't think that you do necessarily need to have a personal connection, but I think that it is helpful if you know why you're doing it. So my objective with that series series was to break down barriers, right? I've Mm -hmm. seen barriers in my own family, you know, related to religion. And so the idea of moving past these barriers and um, being accepting of all religions, understanding that all religions are aiming toward you know, a similar goal, you know, um, it's the similarities between them that has always drawn me. And that was my objective with the series. Um, and so even though I'm not Buddhist myself, I photographed, you know, a Buddhist sites and yeah, I think maybe, maybe an element of that, that for me made me comfortable with doing that apart from the fact that it, you know, photography was accepted in that site. You know, it's not like I was photographing in a site where that was not allowed. Right. Um, but Huge I knew super far away. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, but I knew exactly why I was doing it, what my objective was. And I think that that can be something that can be really helpful for us when we're navigating ethics is, is understanding, you know, what is my objective, which relates to that question about impact. Um, yeah. I think that can be a really useful way. Um, way of approaching some of these conversations, but absolutely. I mean, I think that that's, it's such a huge question in photography about, you know, am I the right person to photograph it? And I think that's something everybody has to answer for themselves. I think sometimes it has a lot to do with motivation, you know, figuring out what is my motivation, um, is my motivation because I want to take the winning shot, Mm -hmm. you know, or is my motivation, um, that I want to tell a story about something that I care about. Um, or I met this person and they've really inspired me. You know, I think another element though, to answer your question about, you know, if we were, if we're going to have that conversation about, you know, am I the right person also has to do with, you know, your access. Mm -hmm. Do you have access to the community um, that you want to photograph and do they want to be photographed? You know? um, Yeah. So if, if they don't want to be photographed, then you're probably not the right person to do it because <laughs> yeah. you don't have the contact with the people who want to be photographed. Do you know what I mean? Of course. Of so, course. yeah. So it really seems like, um, w- okay, so I may be oversimplifying this a ton and please tell me <laughs> if I am and correct me. Um, but it seems like perhaps uh, ethical photographs are um, images taken with a bigger context of 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 sharing right uh, sharing information about uh, a certain subject or or what somebody's doing that is also somewhat personal to yourself and then something more unethical would be purely um like uh, extractive uh extractive yeah yeah and and for for personal gain right whereas Mm -hmm. this photo isn't going to help or benefit literally anybody but myself am i kind of on the right track there i would always i always hesitate from labeling anything as the ethical or the unethical but Uh i i definitely like i definitely think that what you're saying makes sense Okay, okay um and i think that that's yeah potentially a really useful framing for people i think the other thing to that that's really important in in when we're talking about photography ethics is power. Mm-hmm. I really think that all of these conversations boil down to power because we have immense power when we take photographs. You know, we were talking earlier about, you know, when you when you see a photograph it shapes how you see the world. And yes. when we're taking and sharing photographs, we're shaping how others see the world. That's power. You know, we have power to mediate people's access to things that they might not otherwise see. We also have power to determine how the things that we photograph are going to be represented to others, you know, and I think being really conscious and really aware that we 
we hold a lot of power as image makers. And I think photography, like I wouldn't, I wouldn't be doing what I was, what I do if I didn't like photography and didn't believe that it was a good thing. You know what I mean? Um, Photography can have immense good, you know, power for good in the world. Um, But if we're not conscious of our power, if we're not responsible with that power, it can also do a lot of damage. And I think, you know, more damage than potentially other mediums could do because of the the indexicality of photography, which is that relationship to to the truth. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's interesting. I don't know if I've ever thought of it that way, but um, it makes sense. It's like when you when you watch a video of something, you almost see it as its own thing. You're like, I see it. I'm getting more information, perhaps just because there's motion or sound. But when you see a mm-hmm. photo, you kind of almost always lump it together with other uh, like photos that you've seen before. I'm going to have to explore that. That is a, that is a really interesting uh, idea. Um, I know that we're coming to the end of our time here. So um, are there, th- this is like as, as, as practical as it gets, right? Yeah. Are there no, good. Uh, three, four, five questions? Uh, one question that we as photographers who are brand new to this idea um, be asking ourselves before we press the shutter button. Yeah, I have three questions that I would recommend. And they're things that I've already covered. So I apologize if it's a little bit redundant, but um, maybe it's worth it's a good recap anyway. Yes. Um, The first question is, what am I representing? Um, And that goes back to that power that we have to choose what we photograph. Um, So it's really important as I've already said, you know, to maybe think quite carefully about what topics are we choosing? Why are we choosing those topics? Um, and what, what's my intention behind, you know, that choice? Um, the second question is what are my assumptions about the people community or topic that I'm photographing? So this is something that maybe we didn't cover so much explicitly, but, um, we all have assumptions about people and places in the world, right? Yeah. You know, Saharan um, uh, children. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. We've got assumptions that are all tied up in ideas of gender and race and class, you know, um, and these are really hard to unpack. But I think that, um, you know, I, I talk a lot about vulnerability. I haven't talked that much about vulnerability today, but I think part of that process is being really vulnerable and really honest with yourself about what are my assumptions? What assumptions do I carry? Um, Because if you don't take that moment to take stock, you risk replicating those assumptions in your photographs. Mm. And that can be detrimental, you know, for, for the communities that you're, that you're photographing. So if you don't identify your assumptions, then you can't challenge them. Whereas if you identify your assumptions, you can actively consider that when you're taking photographs or when you're editing a group of photographs, you know, to say which photographs you want to share with the world. You can use those assumptions to 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 invert them, to challenge them, to help the viewers learn something new that challenges their assumptions. Wow. Um, so does powerful. that make sense? Yeah. No, 100 yeah. percent. That is uh, yeah. so powerful. Yes. Good. And then the third point is uh, something that I already said, which is um, to encourage people to maybe think about what will the viewer learn about the people, communities, or topic from my photographs? So again, does the viewer learn anything new? Um, or does your photograph just reflect their expectations? Does the viewer learn anything about the individual? Or does your photograph reproduce stereotypes? Are they just a stand-in for anybody? You know, why why is it that person who's pictured? What's the value of that? Um, and that all really, yeah, yeah, goes back to thinking about impact uh, of photographs as well. So hopefully that that was a useful summary. Oh, my gosh. Uh, Savannah, yeah, absolutely. Those are three questions that I'm going to uh, keep in the back of my head while, you know, I keep the camera to my face and and take photos going forward. Because um, I think as I've had, uh, you know, as I continue in this path of photography, and now that I've transitioned out of weddings, and I'm shooting a lot more personal work than I was before, um, I do get I feel like I I sometimes walk into a scene and I'm just I still have that same mindset of when I'm at a wedding, right? Like I'm paid to be here. I can kind of shoot whatever I want and, you know, whatever. It's whatever, you know, but um, going into the real world and thinking about what 
I want to share with the world, uh, that's yeah. definitely going to help. So again, Savannah, I really, Good. really appreciate uh, you coming on today and sharing everything that you have um, with with all of our listeners. Uh, and for those who are interested, first of all, I got to give a shout out to uh, John Kenny, who was the one who, uh, you know, recommended the Photo Ethics podcast to me. And he's like, you got to check this out. And at first I was like, again... I don't feel like I take unethical photos, so why are you sending this to me? But uh, after listening to it, truly, um, it, it is it is an eye opener, and I think that there's a lot of conversations that can be had about photography that aren't necessarily uh, gear or settings related. And I am so glad that you are one of those people in the world who are who are who are doing that as well. So for those who are listening and are also interested in in learning more about photo ethics, uh, can you share with us how we can find you online? Yeah, absolutely. So we have a website. It's www.photoethics.org. We're also on social media. We're on Twitter at photoethics and on Instagram at photoethics center. Um, I should note that center is spelled in the British way, C E N T R E. Um, yeah. So those are probably, we're also on YouTube. Um, but you know, you'll, you'll find all that on the website. Perfect. Perfect. Savannah, again, thank you so much for coming on and sharing everything that you did today. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. I love when things that I know I don't know are brought to my attention because um, I like to be prepared <laughs> somewhat um, and I like to be well informed and uh, hearing more about how photographers make these decisions, these ethical decisions is um, super cool. And again, I, I encourage you to check out Savannah's podcast, but I want to share with you three big takeaways from this episode uh, with Savannah. The first one is that, uh, you know, you, you need to ask yourself, what is my objective with this photograph to know what is the point of the photograph this is the question that you ask yourself after you ask yourself what is the story i'm trying to tell right so that's that's always the first question that you ask what is the story i'm trying to tell and then what is the objective of this photograph because when you can get clear on what you want and what you're willing to do or not do then you're going to have a clear vision on how to capture that shot second takeaway was you know just having a larger view of what you want your legacy to be. You know, when, when you think of the world's great photographers, we often think of the images that they produce and not themselves as people. But imagine just for a second, you know, if, uh, if, if uh, Ansel Adams was, uh, you know, well, he is this amazing, you know, nature photographer. But what if he just like recklessly cut down trees to put his camera in the, in the right spot or would, you know, uh, I don't know, set campfires right next to dry bush, but then never put them out the next day or, or would scare animals just to get them moving through his frame. Not that any of that is is true, um, but knowing that would really change your perception of the artist past their art. So think large uh, view of what you want your legacy to be. And then the third takeaway is that there are no ethics police, except for, of course, collectively the entire internet but you have to be the one to decide what you believe is ethical um, and believe it or not you know this this sounds crazy to say but right and wrong is is fluid and it changes over time and depending on different conditions you know when you were a kid you could just run around naked and people would laugh and say oh that's so cute and there was nothing wrong with that when you're an adult you're gonna go to jail because that is wrong you know and Maybe that's a weak example, but, you know, again, only you can decide what is ethical for yourself. Uh, and you can still shoot and share street photography in ethical ways. Now, at the beginning of this episode, I mentioned that Savannah had a challenge for you. Now, if you go to her website, photoethics.org, she has info and questions to ask yourself that will help you build your own photographer's statement of ethics that you can then post on your website or just print it up and, you know, put it in your camera bag, remind yourself uh, every time you go out and shoot. Uh, the, the statement of ethics can uh, set an example for others. It can encourage transparency and fosters accountability in your own work. All of those are good things to have. Now, there's a link uh, in the show notes of this episode to learn more about the statement of, of ethics, and I encourage you to check it out. Before we wrap up today's podcast, I really want to take a moment to showcase Taylor, who is our listener of the week, for leaving the podcast a five-star iTunes review in Apple Podcasts. I don't think iTunes is a thing anymore, and yet 
I still, anyway, okay. Uh, in Apple Podcasts. So Tyler says, or I'm sorry, Taylor says, I love the podcast. I'm learning so much. I just bought my first camera and started listening to the podcast right from the start and listening all the way to the end. Thank you so much for spreading your knowledge and passion for photography. Taylor, I am so happy that you are enjoying the show and that you are finding it helpful to you on your photo journey. So cool. If you are listening and you are enjoying the show, I cannot tell you how helpful reviews truly are. If you are listening on Spotify, you can leave the podcast a star rating right on the show's uh, main page. Or if you want to leave me feedback directly, feel free to shoot me an email or even better yet, send me a voicemail via the contact form at beginnerphotographypodcast.com. I really hope to hear from you. So that is it for this week. Again, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Beginner Photography Podcast brought to you by CloudSpot. It truly is the easiest way to deliver and sell your photos online. You can learn more about CloudSpot and grab a free account by heading over to deliverphotos.com. And remember, the more that you shoot today, the better of a photographer you will be tomorrow. Talk soon. If you enjoyed today's podcast, please leave us a review in iTunes or your favorite podcast player. And continue the conversation with Raymond and other listeners of the podcast by joining the Beginner Photography Podcast Facebook group today. Thank you. We'll see you again next week.